The Daily Rios, episode 363, New Comics Wednesday for October 12th, 2016. Hey everyone, this is your host, Peter. Hope you're having a decent weekend. As I do every week, New Comics Wednesday takes a look at new comics, duh, collections, original graphic novels, even started to add some recommendations for sales of digital comics, such as 99 cents digital issues or discounted digital trades to jump on if you listen in a timely enough fashion. Now, starting with this episode, hopefully to be a new addition to the new Comics Wednesday format, I'm going to start reviewing an issue or two or three of certain comics that were released in the previous week. So although this episode takes a look at books hitting the racks on October 12th, I have just one quick review for a comic that came out last week, October 5th. This will help me, you know, actually read my comics. It'll give me a chance to talk about some current comics. It'll perhaps even endorse some of my recommendations to see if they truly are worth picking up. Or maybe I will unendorse them if they aren't. And who knows, after reading a second or third issue of that title, maybe I'll re-endorse and then I'll re-unendorse. Hmm, this is all starting to sound so familiar. Um, But anyway, (laughs) they may not always be from my recommendations. Maybe they are just uh, comics that I'm interested in or things that maybe don't connect to anything else that I talk about on other episodes. Um, So, you know, I'll just pick a comic or two or three at random and talk about them. Look at me blathering about current comics. Yay! So let's start uh, with recommendations for this week. Uh, And the one that I'm most curious about is Electric Sublime 104. This is written by W. Maxwell Price with art by Martin Marazzo. There are a number of things about the solicitation for this issue and this title that really caught my eye. Number one, they have a quote that says, Art is anything you can get away with. Destroy it all. And then the high pitch, the elevator concept is the X-Files meets Alice in Wonderland by way of the Da Vinci Code. So basically, the story is about art history and madness and expression, all all wrapped up in a thrilling crime adventure. So when a mysterious change in the composition of a famous painting begins poisoning the minds of its spectators, Margot Breslin, director of the Bureau of Artistic Integrity, must pull famed art detective Arthur Brute out of a mental institution and back into the insanity that sent him there in the first place, featuring a treasure trove of classical works, under-the-radar art, and a seven-foot talking mannequin. This is Comics Imitating Art, Imitating Life. Uh, For $3.99, Electric Sublime, the first issue of a four-issue miniseries. It's just pretentious enough to make me say, yeah, I have to have a look at that. And the cover looks like something uh, from Seth Fisher. You might know his work from Green Lantern Will World. Um, Now, he's unfortunately no longer with us. But the cover of this issue reminded me of that. And I thought, okay, I have to get this. Now, equally as unique, we have from First Second, Tetris, Games People Play, a graphic novel by Box Brown for $19.99, and he basically untangles the complex history of the origins of the game Tetris and delves deeply into the role games play in art, culture, and commerce. 
And if you don't know, Tetris was created by Alexei Pajitnov, and he was a software developer from the Soviet government. And then once uh, news of this game reached, I guess, America, it got the attention of some people who basically had to just smuggle this guy out of Russia and smuggle the game out of Russia, and it became an instant hit in uh, 1984. What I like about some of the previews is that Box Brown is, you know, he's talking about com uh, video games. It's a comic talking about video games, and he's using Tetris's particular game structure to tell the story, both in color and layout and format. So it's, uh, you know, it's a comic that's using the layouts and storytelling to mimic the game itself. It, I think it's really cool, and uh, I'm looking forward to checking that one out. Now, speaking of the 80s, we have Lost Boys, number one of six from Vertigo, and this is by writer Tim Seeley and artist Scott Godlewski, with cover art by Tony Harris. And yes, this is a sequel to the 1987 movie taking place in Santa Carla, California. So all of your favorite characters are back, Michael and Sam, the Frog Brothers, and apparently the story centers around Star. So uh, I have to read it. I don't know how it's going to be. This is all that 80s nostalgia you know, that's just tugging at my heartstrings. It's everything that uh, Stranger Things tugged at and Super 8 and, um, you know, 80s nostalgia is in. So I thought, okay, I have to get this. And also, since Marvel Now started last week, um, you know, I guess it's Marvel Now. It's Marvel Now Take 4, 5, Marvel Now 3.0, whatever. If you're keeping tabs of the new Marvel Now solicits for the month, just like I was for DC Rebirth a while back, um, we have the first issues of Great Lakes Avengers this week and Mosaic, which is an inhuman title, and the first issue of Solo. And then regular titles that didn't get restarted, at least not yet, uh, also have the Marvel Now branding, and we have Gwenpool number 7 and Uncanny Avengers number 15. So that's it. That's it for my recommendations this week. Not a lot. Um, so why don't we jump into the one review I have uh, from one of the comics from last week. And the book that I'm going to look at is Death of X number one of four. So Marvel is ramping up for their next uh, sort of big event with X-Men versus the Inhumans. And it's kind of strange. We haven't even started the main book yet, or have we? I mean, I, I know it comes out later, another month or two, but it just feels like it's already here because uh, we have the buildup for the main fight book. They've already announced a sequel uh, Resurrection, where they're using the X-Men logo and Black Bolt's logo in the title. And now this is the prequel to all of that. So this first issue is by Jeff Lemire and Charles Soule, art by Aaron Cooter, color art by Maury Hollowell, and letterer Joe Sabino. Um, this takes place a year ago. I assume it's supposed to take place at the end of Secret Wars in Marvel continuity, and prior to wherever these characters show up after that, in whatever uh, relaunch or story arc or whatever. I don't know. It's basically filling the gaps 
So if you're already reading Marvel and you're reading the Inhuman series, uh, the, the bunch of them that are out now, or the X-Men titles that are out now, you already know some of the outcomes of this miniseries. Um, you know, there Marvel is already moving forward past the ramifications of this miniseries. Um, but what Death of X is doing is explaining what actually happened. Now, is that enough for readers to read? It's kind of a prequel. It's filling in the gaps. Is that enough for people to read it? I guess it was enough for me to be curious about it since I am not caught up or even reading any of that stuff. I wanted to see what all the hoopla was. I wanted to see what it is that's uh, going to trigger this uh, event. So uh, the issue itself has two parallel stories. We have Cyclops and his X-Men, Emma and Magic, Iceman, Gold Balls, the Stepford Cuckoos. They all travel to Muir Island and they discover that the Terrigen Mists have, um, you know, passed by and or maybe they're still lingering. And they find a couple of deceased mutants, one of them being Jamie Madrox, and discover that the Terrigen Mists, while beneficial to the Inhumans, are harmful to mutants for the first time in all of Marvel history. And, um, you know, some of this kind of reminds me of uh, the... Earth X series by Alex Ross and Jim Kruger. Um, so Cyclops calls up Beast and he says, you know, this is what's going on. Cyclops himself gets affected by the cloud. Apparently he is dead in the current Marvel comics. I don't know. I, like I said, I haven't been reading it, so we'll see. Um, and then the second story that's running parallel is uh, Crystal, uh, Gorgon, and a whole slew of Inhumans that they're calling New Humans, N-U-H-U-M-A-N-S. Um, I haven't heard or read any of these characters. This is my first introduction to them. They're traveling after the Terrigen Mist, and it's dropped into Japan. So they're going to stand there. They're going to wait and see if the Mist uh, actually springs up any other New Humans. Apparently, I guess if... Um, out of a thousand or two thousand humans, you could get about anywhere from I don't know one to ten new humans or whatever the number is in the book. So while they're waiting, they get attacked by Hydra, although it's a Hydra unit dressed in red. So I don't know if that's a Captain America thing. Um, and they battle the the uh, the the attackers, and just when it looks like Hydra is going to have um, have their say over the Inhumans, there is one new new human uh, out of the crowd in, that was sitting there waiting for the cloud to go over them, uh, a Japanese youth that, uh, of course, has powers, and he's able to use them to defend the other Inhumans against Hydra. So now they have a new Inhuman, and, you know, just as they are celebrating life, Cy Cyclops is celebrating death. And he will not have it. He won't have yet another attack against the mutants. And as far as he's concerned, this is a declaration of war. And then we get a final page where both of the characters say, we protect our own. Now, you sort of want to just say, hey, psych, why don't you just pick up a phone and tell the Inhumans what's what? But they can't do that because this is comics and it, and it needs to be dramatic and whatever. I don't know. The story felt very committee-driven, uh, 
it hit this beat and then hit that beat. It set this up. There was an obligatory fight scene, a declaration of war, uh, a speech, and then a dramatic cliffhanger, and then the setup for the remainder of the miniseries. Um, the artwork was okay. This, the storytelling was okay. Aaron Cooter's artwork, in a way, kind of reminds me of uh, a lighter version of Tom Rainey, if that makes sense to anybody. So uh, Aaron Cooter, he did draw uh, the Key of Z miniseries from Boom, which I did like. And then he was on a bunch of issues from um, Action Comics during the new 52 years, uh, issues uh, 25 through 50. I don't know if he did all of them, but those were the majority of the issues that he did. Um, I think I just sort of feel like he's still getting his groundwork. I mean, he's still getting his um, ha handle on how to make comics, um, uh, how to make a comic a definitive Aaron Cooter comic, right? You know, there wasn't anything about it that I thought, oh, that's kind of unique to his art style. Um, it was, it was decent. It was fine. The coloring by Maury Hollowell certainly added a lot. Um, now Cooter is actually drawing and inking unless he's doing it digitally all at once. Uh, it was, it was average comic book artwork for an average comic book story. And that's about the most I can say about this. Uh, I, I, I assume I'll read the other three issues. Why not? I already read the first issue. Um, I, I'm not excited about this war. It feels a little forced. Um, these two uh, concepts within the Marvel Universe, obviously Marvel is throwing them together because, hell, the whole X-Men inhuman fight is happening within other media in terms of uh, who owns what and what Marvel and Disney want to spotlight and where they want to put their what they where they want to put their uh, money behind, right? In terms of Inhuman showing up on Agents of Shield and the X Men movie universe not being under their umbrella, so it's all very meta. And uh, you know, I can't say that I walked out of this thinking, "Yay, I'm excited for the X Men Inhumans miniseries." But it's just enough of an event, and I'm such an event whore that, I, yes, I will read it, and I'll, I will let you know what I think of future issues. By the way, I did think it was funny that that Hawkman Adam Strange miniseries, it was originally called uh, Adam Strange and Hawkman Out of Time or something like that, but it's actually called Death of Hawkman, and I had to wonder if that was DC's little, I don't know, uh, sort of like their way to compete with the Death of X title, just like when DC put out um, Identity Crisis and Marvel put out a book called Identity Disc, just so it could sit right next to Identity Crisis. I don't know. It's just very strange. Anyway, this has been the Daily Rios episode 363 for Wednesday, October 12th. Uh, feel free to send me a message, peter at thedailyrios.com, and be sure to check out the show notes for links uh, for recommendations for uh, any of the books that I talked about today. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye.